John, come and join us. John is a father of two, born in recent years, and obviously then a husband of a wife. And John is a dear brother, and I welcome you to bring us the word from the Lord. Thank you. Good morning. It's a joy for me to be here with you once again. I remember it's about two years ago when I came and uh, spent some time with you. And uh, I have to say, um, as I share with you this morning, I struggled with the natural disasters uh, (laughs) that we always watch on the TV when we hear about Katrina, Wilma, and then last night there was uh, the hostel of tornadoes. But that was not my, my major problem. Probably um, jet lag or whatever, I spent the whole night without sleeping. Yeah, that's difficult. But uh, I, I hope God will be with me. And I hope that God will speak to you this morning. Before I share with you from the Word of God, I want to say how much I'm encouraged to hear Abraham give his story. And deep in my heart I'm saying, um, this is all we are about. God working in our own hearts. To make our lives clear to him and to us. Because many times we sit and I indifferen- uh, we have indifference in our hearts of the kind of evils that we commit, and we ignore them, and we think that God ignores them. No, they only destroy us and affect our effectiveness or efficiency in ministry. So I pray this um, morning that God will speak to you, as he speaks to me, that all together we can be set free, set free of any kind of sin in our lives. I want to read this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. The words that are probably familiar to all of us. And it's a kind of marathon work for me because I spend time praying, asking God, what do I have to share with these people? I may not understand why up today these words, the beatitude, you call them beatitudes? Uh, bear with me because English is my, probably my third or fourth language, I'm not quite sure. So I'll be, <laughs> and I'll be reading from verse 3 to verse um, 12. Uh, in fact, verse 10. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of, they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Father, speak to us this morning 
And through your word, O oh God, help us to understand our own situation today so that we can make appropriate decisions of our lives. And I pray that also you use me because I'm not physically well equipped or prepared, but I pray, God, that you take over and minister to all of us. In your precious name we have prayed. Amen. People in Rwanda send greetings. And I was telling your pastors, Pastor um, Tim Bailey, David Kurel, uh, and all those, those who came to Rwanda, Abraham, Jiho, uh, Josh, um, Ashley, um, Stephen, and David. I think I've managed to give all the names. I was telling, eh, pardon? Roy? Ah, yes. Oh, good. I was telling them that uh, I'm still on recruitment mission for more. Your pastor came and it was a blessing to us. But we noticed that he had forgotten his heart in uh, Indiana. So when I came, I just came to recruit his heart and his hands. I'm talking about his wife and his children. And I'm also talking about the... The people here in church, you are welcome to the ever-green, beautiful country of a thousand hills, a thousand creeks, a thousand mountains. A country where the people are very warm and welcoming. The kids singing and they want to touch you. And they are all saying Mzungu, Mzungu meaning a white person. And they are asking Ichupa, Ichupa meaning this empty bottle of water. Something so precious for them because they don't have it. And they just want to be around you. So please, next June, talk with David Dodrill. He'll be willing to share with you a, lo a, a little bit more and uh, hopefully help you to know how you can be part of what's happening in Rwanda. My wife and children send greetings. And when I came here the last time, I was with a friend called Eri, who is my deputy in Youth for Christ. He also sends greetings. These few verses that I share with you, in 1994, at the climax of genocide, having survived, uh, not yet survived because I was struggling, and all I could take from my house was just my Bible, um, the hymn, hymn book, and um, I think about three other books. One of them was the, the book called The Secret of uh, Happiness by Dr. Bill Graham. And that became food for me when I was at the climax of the crisis, seeing evil all around me. And I took time to read the Beatitudes, and that was a turning point in my life because I could find joy, even happiness, when things all around were very dark. These are the words of Jesus Christ as he addressed the, the crowd, the many people that had started following him. And he starts with uh, these uh, astonishing words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The problem today that you and I face, we talk about poverty, we talk about our needs, and many times you and I focus much on the physical needs, on the material needs, on the intellectual needs, 
on the emotional needs and we forget the spiritual needs because you and I, if we live in poverty today and we need more and more and more, we need to remember that the first man and woman who lived on this earth, Adam and Eve, they had all they needed. But when there was a spiritual problem, they doubted God. They sided with the devil. There came a vacuum in their hearts. The vacuum in their hearts created another problem. And, oh, let me say many problems. The absence of the place of God, the primary place of God in their lives, made them needy people. And you and I, on a daily basis, we are mistaken by seeking the lost happiness in the wrong place. We are seeking this happiness or this joy or this peace, this satisfaction from the material things. That was not the problem, brothers and sisters. I want to share with you um, some few verses from Revelation and also from uh, Jeremiah. Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 to church in Laodicea. Forgive me if I don't pronounce it well. Many of us, many times we think about satisfaction based on material needs and when we are misled in that way, what we end up is a situation like this. You say, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and serve to put on your eyes, so you can see. This is the message to that church. But how about us today? I want to remind you the sayings of Jesus Christ when he talked about the foolish uh, rich man. He had gathered all the properties that he wanted and he said, My soul, rejoice because you have everything you need. But the question was, tomorrow you are going to die. And the man is struggling. How about all these things that I've gathered and which I'm going to live here? In Isaiah chapter 55, he says something like, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul with light in the richest of fare. My friends, the poverty that you and I are struggling with today, I wish we could know or understand this poverty. It's what starts right in Genesis, when we did not obey God. And you and I became rebels. We don't want God as the leader of our lives. We became poor. And let me tell you, 
when Adam and Eve sinned against God, you need to understand that when they looked around, they discovered they are, that they are naked. They are in a pitiful situation and they started to gather some, I would say, leaves. <laughs> I come from a green nation. We have trees. And they thought they could cover their nakedness. The nakedness of our, of, of our soul can never be covered by the works of by the, the fruits of our efforts or our strength. When we remove God in our heart, my friend, there is no satisfaction because the vacuum that is in our heart can never be filled by anybody else except God himself. And I pray that you and I would make every effort to restore these broken relationships that came as a danger to the world when our ancestors sinned against God. And you and I have become sinners. And on everyday basis, we end up committing uh, all kinds of sins. We are not satisfied. Let me tell you, the intellectual needs, you can meet all of them as you want, or most of them. The material needs, you can satisfy probably, or try to satisfy many. But the more you get, the more you need. And you find that many times if you can start, you know, look back at the statistics. People who commit suicide, they are not necessarily those who are financially poor. They are not necessarily those who are financially poor. They are those who have a lot of money. We need to cover this nakedness caused by sin. Sin of removing God in our lives. And let me tell you, when I read Romans chapter 13 verse 14, Paul is speaking to the church and he says, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The joy, the, ble the blessing that you and I should have is when we discover how spiritually we are poor. How spiritually we need God. When we discover that we are spiritually poor, we have discovered that we are sinners. And discovering that we are sinners, Romans chapter 3 verse 23, we also remember that the wage, of, the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Again, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. With that in mind, there should be, I believe, and this is your message today, there should be a burning desire in our hearts Crying to restore the broken relationships. Crying to bring God back in our lives. And let me tell you in Jeremiah 20, chapter 29 verse 13. He says, you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. It's time for you and I to seek God with all our hearts. In genocide in April 1994, I remember when I was in a desperate situation, I said, God, I need to hear from you. And indeed, God spoke to me.
And because he spoke to me that day, I remember, 28th April, 1994, I look back and say, God, thank you for that night because I really wanted to hear from you. Because whatever has been done in the past 10 or 11 years, it's because God was willing to be seen, but also to speak to me. You remember the book, God Chesters? Uh, is it Tommy Ten who wrote that book? God Chesters. Tommy Tenney, I think, is the author of the book, God Chesters. You and I, discovering our spiritual poverty, we need to work day and night, never sleep, never tire, never rest, until we have found God. And let me tell you, the more we find Him, the more we need Him. And that is the blessing that Jesus Christ is promising here. We should never rest. Let me tell you, in Psalms, I love Psalms very much. 42 verse 1, he says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with him? Let me tell you that the same person says also in Psalm 62 verse 1, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. If you know that there is no other salvation, there is no other Savior, you have every reason to seek God day and night. Seek to restore relationship with, with Him. And that is the blessing that you and I can have in this world. And that is for us, for you and me, the inheritance of eternal life, the kingdom of God. And in the following Psalm uh, 63, he says, O oh God, you are my God, unless I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you, in dry and well lands where there is no water. I want to tell you, on this first beatitude, which is, which is for me very strong, if I, how I wish that you, can, uh, you could understand this, how I wish that I could uh, even understand it better. If we sit in a state where we feel we have achieved and we, we are comfortable with our situation, we, there is no desire to have more of God in, in ourselves. We are creating problems for ourselves. And my prayer for you, for you and myself today is that on a daily basis we tell God we need you. We need you. Him and Him alone can satisfy the desires of our souls, the desires of our hearts. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. As you and I discover God in our lives, as you and I seek God, we also discover that we are so poor, we are wretched, we are naked, we are in a pitiful condition. And the situation around us is so terribly bad that we can never be indifferent. And there is mourning, there is crying in our hearts. Because there is death, when you talk about mourning, my friends, you also have to think about death. As the Bible tells us, 
the wage or the payment for sin is death. May I remind you that the prophet Isaiah in chapter 6 verse 5 when he has reached the presence of God and he saw God in that verse 5 he says woe unto me because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among the people of unclean lips. In other words, he's a sinner. He discovers how sinful he is and how people around him are sinful. And remember, the penalty for sin is death. And where there is death, let me tell you, we can never afford to be indifferent in face of death. There should be grief. There, will be, there should be crying, weeping. Because we are perishing and people are perishing. When Jesus Christ talks about uh, those who are mourning, my question to you and myself today is this. What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? And let me tell you, my friends, if you are to be blessed and live a successful life in this world, what breaks God's heart should break your heart. And as such, we are in good relationship with God. Jeremiah chapter 20, no, no, chapter 8, and verse 20, he says, The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and you are not saved. Since my people are crushed, I'm crushed. I mourn and horror grips me. And we call him a weeping prophet. But also in chapter 9 verse 1 he says, Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people, the sinful people. We see people are about to perish. My friend, we cannot remain indifferent. You and I, if we have the eyes that see the way God wants them to see, you and I should be crying for our own spiritual situation and for the spiritual situation of our brothers and sisters. Today, if you and I are not willing to give testimony of what God is doing in our lives and what God can do in the lives of the people that we have the privilege of rating to or speaking to, if we cannot do that, there is a serious problem. We are not concerned by the plight or the situation of our people. We should be mourning for our inadequacy and for the inadequacy of those people around us. And when we mourn because people are not adequate and you and I are not adequate, this kind of mourning brings um, about um, confession, like our brother Abraham has just confessed, it brings about repentance, it brings about cleansing, it brings about healing. And when there is healing, there is comfort. But we can never heal unless you and I make confession. Out of grief in our hearts for our sins and the sins of our brothers and sisters. We should be mourning for the suffering and bereavement of others. And this I'm talking about compassion. 
Your pastor is a strong man, but I remember tears in his eyes when he came to Rwanda and is listening to this lady who survived genocide. I can't go into the details of what this lady shared because that was very moving. I could see the tears in the eyes of your pastor. And he could never be indifferent to that kind of situation. You and I, when we see people who are suffering, how indifferent are we? Are we responding to the cries of people around us? Jesus Christ is the perfect example. When he visits Mary and Martha, they had lost their brother. He is there crying with them. How about us? When we see Katrina, what do we do? When we hear about the suffering of the people, I can't go back to the situation of Rwanda. Thousands and thousands who are fatherless, they don't have mother, they cannot go to school. What do we do about it? Can we remain indifferent to the suffering of people? What do we do in the situation of calamities, natural calamities or man-made calamities? Natural calamities like Katrina, man-made calamities like AIDS. Yes, generally because one of the problems has to do with sexual immorality. What do we do as many, young, uh, many babies are killed through what you call pro-choice here? Is it what you call it? What, you, what do you do? Or, make it, or maybe this is a taboo here. I'm, I don't know. What do we do about it? What do we do when we see people led like sheep or led astray? They are just taken by anything to be slain by the devil. They do every evil every kind of evil, and they feel there is no problem. There is, they are irresponsible for that. What do you do? Do you just sit and watch? Where is our compassion? And when I talk about compassion, I'm also talking about this burning desire to do something about it. Cry to God, but also be prepared to be sent by God or to be used by God to do something about it. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I'm talking about gentleness. But I'm also talking about yielding to God's will. I'm not talking about cowardness. I'm talking about, talking about people who are gentle, who are graceful, even when inside they are strong. How about you? We, there is inheritance for us. There is a promise for us. Forbearing one another. Many times there is a problem because pride is there. And I, I know I'm strong. There is what I can do. I know I have my, my social status. What do you tell me? But I'm asking you today. How are we meek in our lives? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We talked on the first beatitude, the need for God in our lives. But on this fourth one, I'm talking about the character of God in our lives. 
the character of God, the character of righteousness. Remember, you and I, we are created to have, to be, to have the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. But the problem is, you and I never live to that expectation. We were also called to be holy. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2 and the last part of that verse. But also, First Peter chapter 1 verse 16. We are to be holy because our God is holy. One of the verses that were read to us today in First Peter chapter 2 verse 24, we are also redeemed to be holy. Set apart for God. But this holiness in our lives has stumbling blocks to, that we, you and I must deal with. The sinful pleasure. And we have no appetite for things of God. The neg neglect of our spiritual life. We have no appetite for the righteousness of God. The self-sufficient. We just sit and feel like we have all we need. And maybe we are contented with our uh, religious rituals and we feel there is no need for more. But righteousness, you always need God in our life. And you know you cannot manage unless you have Him. I'm talking about righteousness, my friends. We need to examine our lives. And there is also the problem of a secret sin, the sin that is not repented, that you and I struggle with. And many times you know what you committed. You and the devil, you know it. And the devil is always you know, telling you, oh yes, there is this, you are not set free. But the secret for a successful life is when you and I remember that Jesus Christ went on the cross for your sins. And if we confess our sins, His righteousness, is faithful to forgive us. And you live an unforgiven life not because pardon has not been given, but you never stretch your hands out to receive pardon from Christ. This could be your day today to do that. My friends, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I don't probably want to talk much about this. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. By many times I feel like I wish I could say just forgive me, my, forgive me my sins. But there is that part of it. As I forgive others. And let me tell you, forgiveness is very difficult. We talk about reconciliation in my country, but I know forgiveness is very difficult. Is it possible to be face to face with somebody who killed my fiancé and they say... Eh, yeah, it's just my, you know, God forgives you, it's very difficult. But it's a step that you and I have to take. And many times you don't understand that forgiveness is liberating. You liberate yourself. There is no bitterness in your life. But the problem, we always find it difficult to take that, that first step. We talk about mercy, but also want to talk about grace. The undeserving favors 
Remember, you and I, while we are still, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. We were enemies of God, but God sent His own Son to die for our sins, that you and I can have this forgiveness of our sins. What a grace. And I look at Joseph forgive, uh, forgiving his brothers. Remember what they had done. I believe they deserved something worse. And that is the nature, the character of man. That's probably what I would have planned to do. At least hurt them. Or do to them what they had intended for me. But God tells us to forgive. And in fact, the promise here, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I also talk about its forgiveness, grace, but also caring for the needs of others without prejudice. There is a problem today. We, I talked about indifference when we, we see calamity, when we see suffering. Thank you for sending your put come and work with us on the school. Because David knows when he came to visit me, in, 19, uh, in the year 2003, January, we went to visit uh, an, uh, another school, and there were 80 kids, 8-0, in a tiny classroom. You and I would agree that this breaks somebody's heart, especially when you come from the United States. With no books, with nothing. And the question was, what do we do about it? Caring for the needs of others. And thank you, David, and your team, and your friends, your brothers. And now with your church here, the church here, for coming to help us at least put together a school for the kids. Mercy goes to that extent. And they're also working on making sure that the kids can have access to that school by providing school fees for them. At least reaching out to some people to raise $250 every year for one kid to be in that school. But this caring for the needs of others, I want to caution you, it's not self-centered. Let me explain this. I have learned that there are several companies and rich people in this nation they would never give to this project in an isolated place called Rwanda, in a remote area called Rwanda or the jungles of Africa because nobody in this nation will know that they ever gave money to that project. They want to give huge sums of money to something in this community, maybe to build another university or another high school in this nation. The high school university that needs 50 million U.S. dollars, because somehow in the publications, their name will, will be there that they gave to this project, to this charitable work. And you guess what? There is publicity that goes with it. And the question is, are they doing it for the benefit of the community or for the benefit of their names? You and I need to be careful with our motives as we give to the needy people. 
If it's about, if it's all about us, the Word of God tells us that we have already got our reward in this world. There is no promise of eternal life because all we needed was just our name in this world. I want to be quick, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I want to say here that you and I, we need to be single of a single and clear-minded devotion to the will of God. We don't have any hidden agenda in whatever we do. We do everything with good intentions or motives. We put to death all sins and immorality. When I say, blessed are the pure in heart, and I believe this is the word of God, it does not mean that you and I cannot make mistakes. One of the books that I was reading, um, Dr. Bill Graham talks about his daughter when she was young, that she would be trying to do something and she wants always to be helpful. The intentions are good. She wants to help the father. But in helping the father to carry the glass, she ends up breaking the glass because she's so young. In her heart, she's so pure. The intentions are so wonderful. But the mistakes are also there. It does not mean that when we talk about purity in our heads, that we cannot make mistakes. Mistakes are part of our foreign nature. But I'm talking about being of a pure heart, clear-minded, devotion to the will of God. We submit to this will of God and we put to death all sins and immorality in our lives. I cannot go into details or further than that, but we need to re-examine ourselves. We talk about Twitter these days, and there is a problem in this nation, and let me say all over the world. I struggle with this because I understand it's, so, it's becoming odd to talk about sexual purity in this land, in Europe, in many other parts of the world. It's very difficult in, in where I come from to be against corruption. I mean where I come from. It's very difficult. And that's why we have so many corrupt leaders. That's why the, the, the mood, you know, the intentions for corruption begin at a tender age. My brothers and sisters, we need to be of a pure heart. And let me say, tell you, with this pure heart, you and I have a promise that we will see God. I want to be quick. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they, they will be called sons of God. But on this, my friends, if you and I are to have a successful life, I want to tell you, that you can never give what you don't have. You and I lost our peace when you and I, in Adam and Eve, sinned against God. And the sin against God created enmity between ourselves and God. But not only there, between ourselves and between us and the environment. Remember the word of God in Isaiah 48, verse 22, and Isaiah 57, verse 21. He says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. That's why 
Cain, when he had killed his brother, the next thing he did was just run away. He started running away. Not just by Abel, but just by his sin. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, he says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men, and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I want to be brief here. Restoration, for us to achieve this peace, and therefore have a successful life, there is need for us to restore the, the broken relationships between ourselves and God. And this can only be restored when you and I know what Christ did for us on the cross. The restoration of relationships with men. Remember when Christ went on the cross. He destroyed the barriers that separated us. The Greeks and the Jews, the Hutus and Tutsis, the whites and blacks, the Africans and Americans, Europeans or Asians. We are all one in Christ. Praise God. The restoration of relationship. There is a need when you and I accept Jesus Christ. There is restorationship, uh, the restoration of relationships between man and the environment. And we are able to take care of the environment responsibly. And finally, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We started with the kingdom of God and we are ending with the kingdom of God. Or kingdom of heaven. You and I, when we are persecuted for standing for what is right, and people are against us, remember they were against Jesus Christ. Remember, when you stand against corruption, there will be resistance. Remember, when you stand against evil, there will be resistance. I remember when my, my mother gave her life to Christ. By the way, she died... Um, um, in uh, 2004, in 2002, when she gave her life to Christ and went to destroy the shrine she had built for the devil, there was stiff resistance from people who were working with her. But we stood firm and put on fire the shrine she had built for the devil. I mean the temples of the devil. But let me tell you, I praise God. We did it. And on her death, if you want to know people who gave their life to Christ, they are those who were insulting us. Those who were threatening us. The day she died, and we went for the burial, and we had to give testimonies, I saw these people standing up, making a decision to accept Jesus Christ. In total, 34 people and I can't just look back and remember their insults. Remember these people threatening us. But today the joy is that these people and myself are brothers and sisters in Christ. Praise God. Persecution for doing good. Peter also encourages the church that if you are persecuted for doing good, rejoice, but never Accept to be the victim of your sins or the victim of your wrongdoing. If you are persecuted for doing good, then you are in fellowship with Jesus Christ. If you are persecuted for what you stand for, standing against abortion, standing against sexual promiscuity, standing against corruption, and you are persecuted for this, praise God. 
If you are persecuted because you are a Christian, praise God. I want to stand for what is right, no matter what the environment says. I want to stand for what is right, no matter what my family says. I want to stand for what is right, no matter what the whole world says. I want to stand for Christ, because I know in Christ there is eternal life. I know He has the keys, He has the power of eternal life, the power and the keys for the kingdom of heaven. I want to stand for that one, no matter what the world says. You and I, we cannot manage unless we invite him in our lives. You and I cannot manage. And we can never discover the secret of these blessings unless you and I go to the cross and tell him that Jesus Christ, we need you in our hearts. We open up for him and we see what he does in our lives. You and I are able to discover the secret of a successful life if we invite Jesus Christ in our lives and we surrender everything to him. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you stand. I don't know about your situation. But the call today for your life and my life is for you to, re, to do the introspection of our lives and allow the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit to lead us in this exercise so that if you and I discover something wrong in our lives, we stand up and confess this to Christ and repent and you and I can discover the secret of a successful life. In persecution, in problems, in difficulties, remember, before the crown, there is the cross. You cannot avoid the cross if you are going for the crown. There is always sweat before you achieve something that is sweet. Persecution will be there. Opposition will be there. There will be trouble. But let me tell you, the end of that kind of hard journey is so near. But we can overcome surely because Jesus Christ has already overcome. Let's pray.